What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industry to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 20. We're joined today by Diana McElroy. She's the CEO of Higher High Cannabis Marketing and Patient Advocacy. After getting her start in the industry at an MSO in the Northeast, she's created Higher High to educate communities on cannabis and help patients find the approach that works best for them. Connect with Diana on LinkedIn to find out more about Higher High and enjoy the show. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great to have you on and have a little bit, little bit longer conversation. I think in Benzinga or at Benzinga, Miami, we passed very briefly at uh, the cocktail hour. <laughs> there was a lot of passing. There was a lot of, a lot of conversations at Benzinga. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did you think about Benzinga, Miami, I guess, overall? I, we'll, we'll dive into that a little further to, later, too. I actually really enjoyed the experience. I thought it was, um, of all the conferences I've been to, it was definitely one of the most unique ones. Um, and you definitely felt like there was, that's where all the, the financial decisions were being made. Definitely some movers and shakers in the room, some decision makers kind of walking in the halls and things like that. I'd agree there. The different cannabis conferences can take a different spin sometimes. And I think that was very much on the uh, investor, C-level, leadership side of the, of the industry. So it was a, a really enjoyable conference to walk, um, kind of good people around every corner, right? Yes, 100%. 100%. Uh, the only thing that I will say they, took, they got points off is I did not expect hurricane um, storms. It was basically raining the whole time. <laughs> it was. And it was my first time in Miami. And I was like, oh. But I did get one sunny day. And it's amazing you get sun after clouds how you appreciate it more yes did you stick around a little bit longer to see the sun pop out there that wednesday or the next day i did i did i actually (laughs) had padded myself one extra day and really saw and appreciated the town for what it was yes yeah that's kind of what i saw on the uber ride home like man i really i should come back here if it's going to be sunny (laughs) it was basically a seattle the whole time we were there for benzinga miami See, it's Which, funny. My, oh, every time I've been to Seattle, I've seen Mount Rainier, so I've gone with good luck. <laughs> okay, you're the one they need to bring when they're tired exactly. of that rainy weather. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So how did you find yourself um, needing to go to Benzinga? I think if we rewind the clock all the way back, um, you know, where was your entry to the cannabis space? I saw that you had some involvement with Terra Ascend um, a few years back. So it's funny, my entry into, and I have to apologize, <clears throat> I did a, a relay race with my daughter yesterday, and we were screaming too loud. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> did yeah. you guys win? No, but we had a lot of fun. That's the um, important part. There you yes. go. <laughs> so um, in 2018, I started noticing that my, I, I, I teased my smart friends, my CEO, CFO friends were smoking cannabis again, you know? And I started, like, poking around asking, like, huh, we're doing this. We're not doing cigars or bourbon or and why? Why are you consuming? And most of them, I'm 50, I'm adding myself, I turned 50 this year, were utilizing for health benefits. Um, you know, they were no longer looking to get high. <clears throat> so their responses weren't like, oh, I'm just trying to unwind or I just need something to take the yeah. edge off. It's more got a pain or an anxiety. A lot of migraines, um, a lot of sleep issues, you know, pain to your point. And so I started poking around. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom for a number of years, and that kind of set me back on my career path. Um, You know, people don't value as much when you do um, charitable work as if you get paid for it. So I... Yeah, the capitalist bend on resumes, kind of unfortunate. But yeah, shout out to stay-at-home moms, you know, doing the, the good work for us. Thank you. It was definitely a time that I valued, and I'm glad that I did it. Um... But, you know, it did take a hit on my career. So I started looking around and cannabis kept circling back. And at the time, we only had like six licenses in New Jersey. So it was kind of, it wasn't like a dispensary was easy to get to. Um, But a couple of friends that had medical cards took me on tours um, and I got to see what it was like. 
uh, and the products that they were getting. Um, I, I'll tell you, I was so paranoid that I had a friend of mine who offered me product and I wouldn't take it in the car with me. Like I, I was very much like a stigmatized housewife, but yet interested. Yeah. So really had to kind of shake the, that kind of old norm, right? Yes. And it took me, I mean, it, it took me years. I will admit, like it took me like years to get comfortable, to be around the product, to be around, you know, back when I, when I smoked and consumed in high school, it's because my friends were dealers, but it was a different lifestyle. It's, you know, we were young, we, you know, more hanging out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, it's a different feel. All of a sudden when you're an adult, you're, you're more conscious of like, you know, I have kids, I have a mortgage, I can't have anything like jack my life. Um, but someone sent me an article that a uh, cultivation site was coming into my town and um, being the nosy Karen I am, I went to the meeting and just listened to what the executives from Canada had to say. And they, I still remember the girl who gave the presentation. She was like this badass who understood the industry from seed to sale. And she was talking about it and she was so impassioned that when they left, I followed them and asked if they were going to be hiring. And they hired me virtually on the spot as a consultant. Wow. Okay. So that's just, it was the beginning and the, the, the middle yeah. of the story right there at the same time. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that's yeah. Tara Asin that came down from Canada to start, start a North American operation. That was their first, maybe their yeah. first branch down here. That was their, we were brand spanking new. So for a year, I would go to all the um, towns that surrounded the cultivation site and just listen to what the opposition was to the product, to the site coming in. You know, I'm very familiar um, with all the towns because I'm, I've always just been very involved teaching yoga or, you know, mom's club or different organizations. So, and then, you know, we would listen to their concerns and how are we going to educate and how we're going to teach what the industry really means versus what people's idea of it was um and then once they had seed in the literally seeds in the ground i was one of the first 10 employees at the cultivation site um which was really exciting because you know this was a new industry it was a new product coming in um yes right yeah kind of rare to get a new a new crop or a new agricultural industry in these in these days you know yes pretty much all been tried and tested a hundred percent so you got a chance to mix soil and really get down into the down into the cultivation i did get to trim i did get to um post harvest probably post harvest i did get to you know the drying rooms hanging um, oh that's great yeah our first harvest we all walked out of there smelling like weeds so bad it was not even funny like right for days, everything I had worn, my purse, my shoes, my car, you know, and then you learn. At a certain point, it doesn't quite wash out either. <laughs> I learned that. I learned that, yeah. Um, when I first really, started really cultivating there in Colorado, it was before the days of scrubs. And as much as I hate to say this, we were in there in our street clothes and sometimes even shoes from the street that is definitely not healthy for the, for the facility. But we were there and, man, that stuff just permeates you know i would wash my clothes and then the roommates would wash their clothes and be like man could you could you try to shake your clothes out first or something beforehand it's like i'm telling you it's not there's nothing to shake out it's like it's it's absorbed it yes it's that oil that stickiness i mean you're on your arms all the way you know um it's it's quite interesting i actually had to run an errand that first week after work and I saw all the people in line turning around and looking because they could smell weed. Oh, and yeah. And I look, you yep. know, I just look like a regular mom. And they're looking <laughs> at me like, I'm pretty sure that smell's coming from you, but you don't look the type. Not quite putting <laughs> the dots together. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, and everyone's like sniffing the air. I'm like, yeah, it's me. I'm like, it's permeating off of my body. Yeah. I think the um, one experience I had like that, too, is I was pulled over coming home from the grow. And I rolled my window down for the cop. And I was just like, I mean, I was reeking. It was bad. I was just coming from harvest and he could, he was just stood stood back from the car and was like, Oh, tell me that you're working in a grow here in the city, please. And I was just like, (laughs) yes, here's my agent ID card. And he was very cool about it, but it was a, uh, it was an eye opener for sure. 
Oh, and I think a glimpse at like a change in the, I think the overall like perspective too, because the cops in Denver at that time already were open-minded and, you know, smelling that coming out of the car, they didn't jump to action. It was more like, okay, well, there's definitely something for you to explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's ask questions. Well, to your point, I would always carry my ID because my entire car smelled like it. My kids got used to it. Um, it oh, man. You know, at yep. the time, my nine-year-old was like, that's what weed smells like. I'm like, yes. <laughs> kind of skunky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I actually made my, you know, this is how stigmatized my entire area was, including my family. When, when I got the job, my husband and I would have these little talks about the industry and we realized that we were throwing terms around that had not been in our home prior like weed like you know marijuana and we're like maybe we should clue the kids in so they're not like what are mom and dad talking about and we sat right. them down and my little one started crying um because you know everything she had heard at school was all this bad stuff and it was it was kind of like oh wow seeing the stigma through a child's perspective as well yeah, that's that's something else. I think definitely feels like a good move to to bring that transparency to your household, though. You know, if you're if you'll be speaking about those kinds of things or, you know, you have that business now in your life. I think um, that's kind of the last frontier for some folks in the cannabis industry. And there may not be a perfect way to do it. Uh, my daughter is still too young to to hear any of the conversation or kind of know really what we're doing. Um, other than if we're holding her the right way or not. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. I think that's still something I need to figure out in the long term, too. But I feel like I'd like to move towards that level of transparency where it's just it's this is the job for your family. It's fine. You know, and, and you know, it's funny. So I had a friend over um, for dinner and it was the first time it was a younger gentleman um, and it was the first time someone was around my kids going, man, I got so high. I got so high. He was talking about our trip together for um, MJ Biz, he was my wing person from Jersey. And okay. he's sitting there, my husband and I are like slightly cringing. But then I afterwards, we talked about it and we're like, you know, the kids have heard adults saying, oh, I'm so wasted. And we're like, we need to not normalize it, but like, it's not it's not taboo anymore. It's like, yes, he got, he's an adult. He's, he's allowed to get high. He had fun. He was telling a funny story, you know? Um, so even that, like, is, is this part of, you know, culture of like, how come our kids hear about drinking, but they haven't heard about consumption? Yeah. You almost get that forbidden fruit effect if you don't mention it, you know, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to keep trying or you're kid yourself that you're hiding it when in reality they're going to find out, but then without your guidance. So I think it's maybe a good, a good uh, move for sure there. You know, and I talk to my kids about the fact that like, listen, um, same as alcohol, you're not of the age yet to consume. If you had a medical condition, that that's different. But you know, um, if you you're not allowed to drive yet, there's there's many. It's called adulting. You're not allowed to do certain things that adults. I can swear, and I swear like a. I've given myself permission at 50 to swear like a truck driver because it comes naturally living <laughs> in New Jersey. So like, I swear you can't swear. You know, it's like breaking down that. The normality of it, but also putting in some restriction. Working it into the regular parenting, regular timing of, of everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's I awesome. I think by your daughter, it's a, uh, you have a girl? Yes, yep. Okay, so by the time your daughter, it's going to be such a norm. Like, I look at kids from California. They're so much more accustomed to it than our kids, you know? Right. But it's coming. Right. The dial is opening. And, I, and I grew up in Kansas, so it's, Kansas will come after New Jersey is like California. <laughs> yeah, and I grew up very, you know, Catholic, Eastern European, you know, the vodka can be on the table, but yeah, God forbid, you know, the devil leaf, like, it was, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah that's, um, I grew up German Catholic in Kansas, so I had a little bit of that experience too, uh, not as traditionally German, unfortunately. I wish I could have learned some of the language, but... I don't think anyone was still speaking there uh, yeah. in the in the ancestry. <laughs> so from Terra Ascend, you put on your cultivator gloves. I love that. I think it's the greatest way to get into the industry and to really see the plants growing and understand like what's at the end of this because a lot of the marketing and the supply chain 
the licensing, the compliance, everything like obfuscates the beauty of this plant just growing naturally and kind of being created. And I think uh, it's always wonderful to start on that side or at least have an idea of the cultivator's plight of the work that they're doing here, you know, for us all as um, I work in the software space, which is definitely disconnected from cultivation now, but I'm, I'm thankful for my ties there to the, to the cultivation side to just understand kind of the, the effort, right? The, the energy that's going into cannabis. Was it a, a surprise for you to see and operate a full facility operating? Yep. Um, was it, was it, oh, all good there. Yeah, I was asking if uh, it was kind of an eye-opener to see the facility fully operational or if it ramped up slowly enough that uh, it didn't feel like jumping into the deep end. You know what? It didn't feel like jumping into the deep end because we started at a smaller scale and then started ramping up. So it felt like a natural progression. And like I said, being there with the very first plants, you kind of, you know, you watch, you watch it unfold. And it was, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, our head cultivator was, and is, was the most passionate person I'd ever met. Um, and, you know, we hired and onboarded 80 kids in four months and, and really it was their passion for the plant. It was their passion for, you know, the industry. I was, I was coming in it as an adult interested in the capital side of it, if I could out myself and be honest, and they were coming into it very organically because they were such fans of the product. I didn't become a patient till I was already in the industry. Hmm. Kind of had to convince you a little. Well, not convince me. Like I kind of fell into it. It was like this normal progression where part of my community engagement was going out and teaching people the benefits and hosting webinars. We were doing this all during COVID on, you know, the health benefits. And, and, you know, we had our pharmacist from Pennsylvania giving classes. And that's kind of how I destigmatized my kids too, is, you know, I, I would have these webinars and turn the volume up because we live in a small house. So they had to hear these patients and these doctors talking about it. And it wasn't my voice. It was someone else's voice. And, you know, we started, the more I opened myself up, the more people were coming and saying, by the way, my child has cancer and has been utilizing cannabis. And I was like, wow, you know, you're, you're a cop. Like that, that surprises me. And it started Hmm. like taking the, the negative out for me. And then one day in the middle of the night, I was like, oh my God, I can't sleep again. And I started looking at recommending doctors and realized that my primary doctor was a recommending doctor, but yet he had oh. never suggested cannabis <laughs> to me. Mm. He was like willing to write me every prescription because I'm, I'm in perimenopause and I'm not sleeping or I wasn't sleeping. And he was like, you know, try this, try this. And I was like, I called him the next day and I'm like, yo doc, like why not recommend that to me? Because he was stigmatized. He believed right, in it, so but he wasn't He was pulling from it. his pharmaceutical list first, huh? Unless you exactly. brought it up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know? So it was it was opening up that, that conversation. And that's how I became the, a patient is, you know, kind of like looking around going, huh, these other people are getting benefit. Why aren't I leaning in? Yeah. Did you find some benefit there in sleep or in able to get some more rest? I did. And I found other benefits that, like, I hadn't planned on. Um I lost weight on cannabis. Um, I tend to be one of those people that like I get revved when I, um, I, I prefer flour. Um, kind of get in, feel a little pumped up or a little energized, yes, yes. kind of ready to clean the house or get up yes, and move. <laughs> yes. And I started fine tuning which strains were best for me and how, you know, and I became very diligent. Our pharmacist always said slow and low you know, journal, make sure you write down what, what works for you and, and what time of day and how you're utilizing. And I really started doing that. And, um, yeah, it, like I have ADHD self-diagnosed, but at 50, no one really diagnosed us back there, back then. And so, you know, you were forced to just sit there and, and put up with now cannabis, like allows me to like, you know what, everything else can wait. I could write for a couple hours. Um, kind of set the target, focus yeah. on it a little bit, set another one. Without seeing all the 
the future. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's yeah. it's nice. It's like you know. Uh, so yes, I found a lot of benefits. I found the benefit of that's great clarity. You know, um, creativity. Um, yeah. And, and I microdose here and there, and, and it just, you know, and I talk about it openly because I think there's so many people that can benefit from it. Yeah, yeah, microdosing uh, psilocybin, lysergic acid, or THC? THC. Okay, <laughs> I didn't know if we were going down a different, <laughs> no, 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 a different no, no, no. rabbit hole. <laughs> not yet, not yet. I am, I am on a subcommittee here in New Jersey for psilocybin, um, with wonderful uh, yeah yes so i i do believe in the health benefits of you know i've traveled in the past um and enjoyed it and you know i always say that my my days back having fun are probably one of the reasons i'm i'm a happier person than some of my contemporaries yes yeah that'll do it right have some some fun in your youth exercise yes. your legs and your legs and your mind a little bit and uh, yes, yes. <laughs> settle yeah. in for the long haul exactly yeah, I think that um, if that therapeutic approach is a, definitely the right way to approach cannabis, the right way to think about it. I think sometimes I kind of, I don't like to see the industry expanding so quickly into new states without a lot of that therapeutic backing um, because the population of those states is just gung-ho, ready to smoke. You know, they're after a high. They want to, to try this product. But in that, in that group of people, they're still you know, therapeutic needs, you know, there's patience in that group that I think it's hard to, it's hard to look at cannabis like alcohol and just say it's, you know, treat yourself basically have a drink if you want one or don't, or, you know, it's, uh, it can creep up on you and like, like take over some of your attention span. It can cost a lot, right? There's some different issues there on the, th on the therapy side, but journaling alongside and going low and slow, music to my ears. I think that's, yeah. that's perfect, right? Being able to introspect and kind of understand where it's taken you and realizing that just such a small amount still takes you there or still has an effect, I think is a big deal too, as the industry at times, which can be fun, of course, is all about, you know, mass consumption. Like let's smoke another one and another one. And yeah, I was so high, man, taking bong rips and dabs and all this. It's just, it's fine, I think, and you can't say that that's not fun when you're with a group of friends or with the industry. But then when I'm at my house here, you know, with a with a young daughter or with a family, that's definitely not how I'm approaching cannabis, right? It's not realistic to, to think about it that way. And mm -hmm. I think that's where, like, you know, the health benefits, whether you're using it, and I don't like the word recreational, I like the word adult use. If you're, you know, adult use um, cannabis, you're still getting the medical benefits. And so why not tune into them? Why not think about like, how do I feel when I'm high? How do I, how does it, you know, how does my body, how does my brain, um, you know, am I more productive? How do I feel the next day? Like, do I have a hangover? Those are the things to consider, you know, and, and talk about more and more openly because to your point, I think so many people could benefit after work. I always say like cannabis gives me that like one glass of wine right? You want that one glass of wine, but the problem is that one glass of wine doesn't really last very long. So then you have second, third, and the next day you're like, holy crap, <laughs> like, I went from wanting to feel good to I feel terrible. Right. Um, to feeling groggy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I don't have time for that in my real life. That's true too. Yeah. The cannabis uh, is definitely fast on that front. <laughs> I, do you think that your background with yoga and more mindful practices contributed to your approach with cannabis i think that sometimes it's easier said than done to ask folks to be more introspective or ask for that awareness about a product or you know behind their therapeutic use or connoisseurship kind of appreciation it's hard to explain that you know for to a um someone new to the to the space or maybe new to appreciating products that way i think the fact that i have that ability you know again the summer of my 19th summer, I was not beholden to anyone. I did a lot of experimenting. So I, I think the fact that I was able to experiment um, and came out of it, and I, I already had a foot in the door in the past, so I wasn't as afraid. Um, and I think 
I'm just a naturally curious person. So if you tell me that like you're having benefits, I, I will ask like, well, what kind and where and you know, where do you, what kind of products? So it, it just became this like natural evolution of like, oh, there's so many different forms of consumption. There's so many different terpenes. There's so many, like there was layer upon layer upon layer to learn. And I think that's why I became so, you know, enthralled in the industry. I mean, my company just hosted our second conference um, at my alma mater, Fairleigh Dickinson University, all on the ancillary opportunities. You know, last year's conference, we had the vice chair of the CRC speak. And and it was funny because when him and I had sat down to like, well, Diana, what do you want me to talk about? You know, I had asked him to be a keynote speaker. and, And I was like, well, talk about all the like ancillary opportunities. And he's like, like what? And I laid them out. Like there's, you know, from real estate to, to marketing, to printing, to like, there's so many industries that could touch upon. I'm very much not plant touching, you know, never mind the health benefits. Yes. Yeah. And so how, how did you bridge then to your company, Higher High? Where did that uh, really get started? Did you leave Terra Ascend and then kind of go back to the drawing board to see how you wanted to approach the industry or was this kind of growing as an idea um, during your, your time there? Um, No, it wasn't growing as an idea. So when, um, when I parted ways with Tara Sand, I was kind of like, you know, I really want to stay within the industry and, and what do I, how do I fit in? Um, And it's taken me, I mean, my, my company will be two years old this August And it's taken me a while to like figure out my niche and where I fit in. You know, I'm definitely a patient advocate. Um, That just comes naturally for me. Um, And then, you know, the health and wellness aspect is just something that has always called me in. So that's where I want to take higher high. But no, it kind of came, it came out of necessity of like, how do I keep my foot in the door? And I didn't really know what I was doing. A friend of mine said, Pick a name for your company. I he's a lawyer. He's like, I'm gonna start an LLC for you. And cool. Yeah, you just got the ball rolling. <laughs> and, and people in the industry, like, you know, I don't know if you know Tony Gallo from Sapphire or Art Hans from um Hans Construction, but they're like the big boys in New Jersey. They were like, Diana, go to MJ Biz, go to MJ Biz. So I went to MJ Biz and I my old LinkedIn picture had a picture of me holding a pot plant. And I just walked around going, Hi, I am New Jersey. I am Jersey. I am, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm really saying, but I just know that like I don't want to be like out of the industry yet, um, and I want to keep, you know. Yeah, learning. that's solid. Yeah, and I I can definitely relate to that. You know, I was I was extremely plant touching to begin with, making hash, growing, you know, mixing up soil, everything on that side, and then actually the cost of living in Denver was skyrocketing with the cannabis industry and with Denver just blown up as a kind of a spot to move in the Midwest. So I couldn't afford to live there anymore and just fell back on my college career in tech and went back to software companies, um, built products for staffing agencies and just kind of went back to the the IT world. And it was after a few years that I found the cross section of cannabis software and, um, and the space that I was already working in, which is called ERPs. Uh, which basically manages inventory and manufacturing and kind of things like that for very boring, uh, necessary industries like making doorknobs or like windshields, really odd things. So these actually pair beautifully over to the cannabis space. And that's where I've been um, the last few years as an ancillary service in building software and kind of coming at the industry that way. So it's very um, easy to look past all the all of the ancillary services that make the industry work and to f- only focus on these licensed operators. But if the licensed operators were acting in a vacuum, they would be, they would be lost. You know, it really relies on all of these other businesses doing odds and ends for the, for the folks. I mean, even like cash counting machines, you know, that's a, that's a business, that's an ancillary. Accountants have become some of my favorite folks in the cannabis industry, you know, bringing their, their knowledge and like, confidence in the numbers and in the and in the business workings trying to bring the cannabis minded folks to appreciate that it seems like there's been a balancing act a seesaw of more legit 
um, non-cannabis ancillary services coming in and then trying to partner with someone that maybe got a lot of success from being early and being and you know being well backed or having that ambition to just start as soon as possible connecting the dots has always been fun i've had i've had users that didn't have an email address and i was teaching them how to use the software <laughs> so it's a it's across the board i think um, needed that that conference that you ran sounds sounds excellent though you said it was at your alma mater yes so this was our second one it's called the Cannabinor conference and you know okay. um, this year, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a way, I went to my alma mater years ago because I was being trained as community outreach and as someone who was doing training for the new employees from our pharmacist in Pennsylvania because the Pennsylvania market, um, we started off as just a medical market here in New Jersey in 2019 and she was teaching us on the terpenes, the you know, entourage effect, the homostasis, uh, you know, everything, the endocannabinoid system. And I became excited and went to um, FDU and said, hey, you guys have a pharmacy school. Like, this is, like, this is really critical information, you know. Um, so started engaging with them. And, yeah, the, the conferences are a way to bring validity to the industry and talk about it, you know. Um, this year was a little bit – last year was laying out how we got – to the legal market so we had you know we had people from the legacy um we had people from the legislature we had people from um you know medical um cannabis advocates and and activists and this year we built on the history to like okay so now some of the, these people already have licenses let's talk to how business is going you know how the evolution is happening you know kind of checking in with the folks from the first round yeah, actually, we had some. We had all new speakers, but yeah, just how is the industry growing? You know, next year it's probably going to be even bigger and more in depth because now we're talking more and more about psychedelics too. You know, how is that right. intersection coming in? Um, you know, has there been any more research done? Um, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, hopefully we get deschedulized. Um, that's not going to happen, or you know, but research is needed in this industry and how do we get to the right ears to say hey you know patients are benefiting but ha there's not going to be validity in the industry unless we have some stakeholders who understand how much benefit they're getting you know so it's that kind of conversation yeah. i like to start yeah. and did was your approach with higher high initially to start a conference or did that evolve kind of naturally as well as you were doing some of the networking and kind of made your way to BizCon to see what did you kind of see what the industry turnout was like first and then you know want to bring that home essentially so it was kind of a mixed part of both um there was a business school within um fairly who was very excited about the industry and they took it upon themselves to say hey we want to partner with you um, and hire you t to curate this event for us. And I was like, that's awesome because this is totally in my wheelhouse. Um, a, event awesome. curation and um, years of PTA uh, <laughs> event planning goes, it, like years of event planning, you know, is like, okay, it's second hat to me. So, um, and then I just happened to have networked for so many years you know, having worked for an MSO in the in the in the state, kind of opened doors because when you're one of the first twelve license holders, everyone wants to talk to you. And as community engagement, everyone is introducing themselves to you. So I had made some really good contacts, some really good networking, and was able to invite people in on stage and you know show, showcase the industry in a more adult fashion. Like let's get away from you know, the stigma of what it is. These are business people, you know. Right, right. I think that's important, important to call out and um, to try to bring, especially some schools on board to show students maybe what they could be learning or what they could angle their learning towards. Uh, at Kansas State, where I went, I wrote a paper at one point in psychobiology about using cannabis to treat Alzheimer's. And my professor was very discouraging and she said that cannabis is not legal and don't, you know, don't write this, don't get involved in that. But 
it, on the flip side, if that would have been 10 years later, I was trying to go into academia for biology and I was very afraid of Alzheimer's. So finding that there was a potential solution, I probably would have stayed in school and kept working and went to a lab and just gotten involved in that uh, instead of be kind of discouraged initially. So I think bringing the industry to students and showing them, you know, the potential future they have uh, in the space is, is awesome because it's, it is a new industry. And it's, it's very hard to find that across all other verticals, you know, from agriculture to tech. I mean, tech obviously has new things more. That's like your, one of your innovative spaces. But for, for cannabis, that requires, like you were saying on the ancillary side, distribution, packaging, you know, machine making, everything in between that um, any college educated or anybody who wanted to have a profession in that side of the industry wouldn't have to even be plant touching or consume themselves to have a very successful lifestyle. And, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this earlier. So we are in this country, like, we had gone away from kids being um, pushed towards having any kind of job that involved manual labor, right? That was the, ugh, the 80s. We're like, money, money, money. You got to work in an office. You got to wear a suit. And generationally, people are getting more and more turned off of that, right? They don't want that lifestyle. They don't want that. And cannabis is a different culture. It's a different lifestyle. It's a different, but it's also an agricultural um, plant. And if you don't get, and I call them kids because I feel like I've earned that right this year. If you don't get these kids excited about something, they're not going to want to pursue anything. And cannabis is one of those like industries that really gets young people excited because they they like the um, the idea of it. They like the culture of it. They like the you know the community, and then you know they like the products. Some of them, some of them don't. They just want to be part of the scene. Um, right, yeah. right. It becomes a old driving force in and of yes. itself. And also, you have you know you have a robust indus- uh, industry, and you have a robust economy based on something that unites people. Um, you know. And, and like I said, it, the generational differences of how it's perceived is like dramatic to me because, you know, working with the 20 year olds opened my eyes to like, wow, you guys are so much more okay with it than I had not become, you know, I used to be okay with it. And then I was like, Oh no, 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 not. Yeah. I had to kind of step in line then and realizing that everyone else was running off on the side still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, I'll tell you, and it's like Jersey has been a really fun dial to watch, even within my own neighborhood, because when I outed myself, there were, you know, some Karens who. Some opinions, huh? Some neighborhood opinions. Some neighborhood (laughs) opinions, some, you know, and and honestly, I was like, is this going to, am I going to look bad as a mom? Am I going to look bad as a business owner, as a, you know, and more and more people would whisper behind my back, like, love what you're doing. I fully support you. And I was like, okay. Which gave Give you a little courage. thumbs up as you, exactly. as you leave. <laughs> yeah. And the first person who, I mean, when I, when I outed that I was in this industry, we're opening a dispensary. Um, we opened two dispensaries at the time that I was working. It, the first person that contacted me was someone that worked for the school. And she contacted me on the side and said, I am suffering so bad from arthritis. Do you think this could help me? You know what? Let's meet at the at the dispensary because that's another thing is like people have a hard time walking into a dispensary because there's such a stigma behind yeah. it. So some, sometimes they just call me and like, will you just come in with me? I'm like, sure. Um, and just need some know, a little peace of mind or a little bit of an anchor. You know, they exactly. can always turn to you and ask any questions or exactly or just or just, you know, destigmatize it for myself, like open the door and they get destigmatized by like, oh, okay, you know, she's a functioning member of society and, and thriving and whatnot. Um, and, you know, ask the right questions. And, and then I really promote them to like share with a friend. If you've had positive benefits, share with a friend, you know, don't keep it to yourself. You don't have to be as open as open about it as I am where I'm all over social media. But think about the benefits you've had and see if, you know, someone else could could reap the rewards of consuming cannabis. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, some folks who've been on pain meds for, you know, a decade or so are just not aware of the, 
the progress they could make without those medicines maybe still not be pain-free because uh, obviously some things maybe cannot be fully treated, but you can reduce that or start to help some pain or move away from pharmaceuticals with some with some cannabis products. And speaking as not uh, as someone who's not a doctor or a pharmacist, so please talk to yours if you're considering. Oh yeah, that's my <laughs> anything, number one. But... <laughs> my number one recommendation to people is two things: be open-minded, talk to your medical professional, um, and then. You know, proceed from there. I have I have a friend, I'll, I'll tell you, she was just like literally this month diagnosed with cancer. And she said to me, do you think cannabis is going to, could help me? And I said, start with your doctor first. Start with your doctor. Get, find a doctor that w- would be open to it being part of the protocol. Uh, to your point, I'm not a medical professional. I never claim to be one. All I say is I found benefits. I know many um, people who also have. So be open to that conversation. You know, right. bring it up to your doctor because they're not going to bring it up to you. you yeah, that's a good point. Them. Yeah, because yeah, they're not going to tread that water and chance losing your business um, no. permanently. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, so, and sometimes they're really surprised by their doctor's response. But again, same with my primary. It had to be me going, hey, doc, like, is this something... Yeah. Opening the conversation. Yeah. Yes. That's all it is. You know, I've done a can of curious um, conference at the local library and I was surprised because people came, some of them came to just, there was a couple that came to just judge me and like, and I was <laughs> they like, just okay. wanted to make sure you didn't, you knew that they didn't approve. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? By the end of the two hour session, we were, we left friends and every single person, I don't care how like closed off you are every single person has a cannabis story and nine out of ten times it's something positive you just forget in the recesses of your mind that oh wait i do have a story and maybe it wasn't a negative thing right right it's a it's definitely a good product on that front in that most of the folks who have consumed or are part of the scene there's in general there's a sense of community a sense of wanting to share like this this thing that, that we love or that we found, you know, I think that's um, not found in all vices or like pharmaceutical solutions. You know, you wouldn't find necessarily communities of, of people that are just like loving and trying to spread the, the word on you know, XYZ from the pharmacist. So I think that's a, something unique about the plant, bringing that le- kind of legacy feel or that grassroots um, feel and, and being accepting for anyone coming towards it you know, from a lifetime of no cannabis, you know, seeing the Missouri cannabis industry come online, there are a lot of folks living in the suburbs sprinkled around Kansas City who may used to have, used to have consumed, uh, or maybe they have been clandestinely the last few decades, but still it's probably a big, uh, big step for them to, to even go into a dispensary there because of the, just the vibes of how life has been. <laughs> Oh yeah, and and you know, and, and then when they do, I'll, I'll give you another thing that I've learned from here in New Jersey. So we went to adult use, right? We went from a medical market where, to your point, I kind of like the way we rolled out because it was like a slow roll, um, where there was time to like have conversations. It hasn't been perfect, but then mm. adult use, and people go out, they get their gummies, they pop them midday, and then they jack their day, and they go. <gasps> It's bad. And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm sorry. You wouldn't drink tequila midday. Why would you pop a gummy that you haven't tried prior? Like, you know, do you know what you took? Do you do you understand how it's going to hit you? Do you understand the length of time? Do you understand? Nope, none of that. So even going and like having the the good PR after the fact is important because to kind of put that right narrative, put that spin on the story, make sure they understand what they just experienced. <laughs> and make sure that they understand that it was end user error. You know, right, don't, true. don't give the yeah. product a bad name. I'm sorry, I'm going to use my jersey, but fucker, you misused it. Like, <laughs> what made you think that like on a nice Monday to pop without having tried it prior, you know, like. Right, I'd, you could have this at 11 a.m. and you're mad that you were asleep or anxious at two now. Yes. Well, it's, that's yes. the wrong time to try something brand new. And, and and understand, and then understand how do you utilize, you know, it's 
N- not all alcohol is the same, right? Like tequila and vodka and beer and wine, it's not going to, it doesn't hit the body the same. Like, And I, I use the alcohol analogy because it's one that's very common for people. So they It's understand. just an easier way to like have that analog, right? Like yes. you could, having a social beer is much different than slamming three or four tequila shots in the yes. next 15 minutes. I've never done a keg stand, okay? I've also never um, dabbed. Like that's just well, not me. We can try to solve at least one of those next time <laughs> yeah, you come to you. next time you come to BizCon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's funny because I did go to a huge consumption party, um, my first BizCon, and I walked up to the dab bar and I look and I'm watching and I had seen it done before um, in New Jersey and the guy and I go I've never dabbed and the guy goes Don't do it here. I'm like yeah, I like that's you. not the right like time you. to try it. <laughs> exactly. But he was so honest. He's like, now's not the time. I'm like, I had no plan to, but I like the fact that you're you're being honest instead of like, yeah, just do it. Um, I've never seen anything silence people the way a dad could at the wrong time or when they're not ready for it. It's just yes. emotion gone. You know, they're intern, they're inside their head for a little yes. bit, trying to work through the work through the details. <laughs> and you need to be. And that's, see, that's a really good um, analogy. Like, you need to have that conversation prior that, like, you're yeah, going to go of your, into- understand your mindset. Like, this is how it happens. Exactly. Kind of. Go into it knowing is better than, you know, not understanding what you're putting yourself into. Because I think that does the anxiety, the fear factor, all that stuff that comes with our brains, you know, is important to, like, when I've, experimented with you know psychedelics it was i knew what what i was going into i understood like okay yeah where if you were just suddenly under the influence oh, of psychedelics it would be like a oh yeah straight anxiety like attack <laughs> yeah 100 percent, you, you you know and that's the same you know it's it's very um it's being mindful of the fact that like you're you're going to consume and this is what it's going to feel like you know, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. There's even a part of that that plays into what's called psychological determination, kind of having this mindset for this is why I'm doing this. Yeah. So then after you do it, you you get those benefits. I mean, it's yeah. not a direct one to one. There's not obviously you can't make some things up there mm-hmm. and say, I'll be, you know, I'll be a millionaire after I smoke this. But you could at least say I smoke this for focus and you yeah. keep that in your mind. That way, when you smoke, you try to stay focused. And there is there is something definitely to that, or having an um, knowing why why you're after it. Yeah, I think you if, know you consume and you go for a walk and you say, "I'm going to tune in to Mother Nature. I'm going to become like more aware of Mother Nature. That's why I'm consuming." And it's that, and it does. It just opens that like that little. I don't like a heady heady high personally, because um, I do prefer have more like in the body or kind of yes, more relaxed. Yes. I like I see. like the very edge, um, you know, and there's, there's strains that will make me cry. They just invoke like a deep, like, you know, weeping that I don't mind, but I, no one likes that at a party. Yeah. You don't want to just, you don't want to just start crying in the social circle there. <laughs> what would be next then for higher high with, with some of these conferences you're running locally, some of the plans that you've been, uh, been laying out. I can see that uh, I can see that you're building quite a network and you know starting to establish some regular occurring events. Is it more on the event space that you're uh, finding some traction there, or would you like to still expand the more patient or business facing services? So, what I where I want to take higher high is to do the educational portion, but I also am trying to build a lifestyle wellness brand because they really kind of go hand in hand with cannabis you know I want to see if I could help other women my age who are going through perimenopause menopause and break down the stigma and like hey have you tried these products have you considered ever trying them and here's why um you know I think I'm a good representative of the industry as if I do say so myself I I don't think you're supposed to say that but (laughs) in that I, I speak honestly about the 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 goods the good and the bad you know, like, I think I, I don't always, I think we spoke about it earlier where people are like, yeah, just do it. Just do a dab midday. And I'm like, uh, no, it's going to jack your life. And, you know, let's talk about it responsibly. Let's talk about, I have a, 
strong rule about not driving impaired. Um, that that's not cool. Some people do not appreciate the fact that I talk about it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. There's always a, there's still that education there around every, every state's rollout. You always wonder how the communities are going to take it or how the, the state's really going to implement everything. And I think consulting groups or companies like Hire High that want to bring that education and try to, try to turn some of the focus on therapy or at least allow folks a doorway into the industry that wouldn't have just walked into the dispensary is really a noble noble act and and hopefully really helping some folks find a, a solution for them right find uh i don't know something to make them happier right because that's just kind of the end goal <laughs> exactly if, find that joy find that purpose and it's not even you're not going to find purpose from cannabis but it's going to help unlock that part of your mindset potentially that part of your mindset that um you know you don't think you can and all of a sudden you you, you know you you take a hit and you're thinking about your life and you're like, why not? Why can't I? You know, like it's, <laughs> it's got that like. It can kind of clear red. some obstacles. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think, I think the older we get, the, the more we forget that um, electricity in our brain of allowing ourselves to think differently. Yeah, always good to keep keep pushing the envelope there. And um, I've really enjoyed this conversation with you today, Diana. I just wanted to thank you again for for hopping on the show. I'm hoping I can meet you here at BizCon this year. And if you come down for Cannabis Conference, which is also going on in Vegas, I'll be walking the floor on that one as well. Uh, where can our listeners find more about you and, and Higher High? Um, they could definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, Diana McElroy with the capital A's, um, part of my trademark. And also um, info.higherhigh.gmail.com as the industry picks up speed in New Jersey, it'll be cool to, to check in maybe and see really how things have changed. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, thank you, Dana. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show and our range of services, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis operations consulting, agile product management, and connoisseurship services. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.